Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. Can I switch my motorcycle's kickstand to the other side because I don't even want my bike leaning left? Oh, nice. How all right. There we are. Now we're live. We're live. You all right, Corey? I'm all right. I'm looking down. I'm about to share this on my page. This is our uh, our official oh, geez. test. We can't, we can't have that. Yeah, I can hear myself again. Nope. That's what happens when you, when you try to live stream <laughs> for the first time. It's been years since I've tried to do this, so we want to welcome you folks in here on Facebook Live. Appreciate you joining us. We're going to give you a good portion of the show, but if you want to hear... The real stuff, when Corey and I deliver our, uh, I guess you would call them monologues at the end of the show, you are going to have to go uh, download the full podcast. You can find Libservative on uh, any of your major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, um, all of those wonderful platforms. But as we do here uh, on Bourbon Banter, Corey, what are you drinking tonight before we dive in? I'm actually drinking some Four Roses, and if you look Small at my batch. glass, no, it's just a regular one. I'm actually, I was actually, this is my second go at it. The first time I had it, it was a little bit too sweet. I wasn't a big fan of it because I was drinking Monkey Shoulder at the time. Mm. And uh, but I'm giving it a second shot. It's okay. That has a bit of a big, like, more wider mouth where it pours from, so it poured a lot faster than I anticipated. I want to say that most of this is ice. But I don't think it is really. I don't know if you want to take a look at this. It's kind of a lot. So we're you're one of those weirdos that puts ice in your bourbon. I, see, that's blasphemy to me. I don't know what I you're like doing over there. Ice. I know you like a cold, smooth, and neat. You're over there, Mm-mm-mm. Ernest Hemingway wannabe. <laughs> well, <laughs> he yeah, did. that he was an okay life for a while. <laughs> yeah, until <laughs> until he committed suicide because he thought the FBI was watching him. So yeah, well, I mean the way the way that certain folks think that we might be conspiracy theorists, I might be headed down that road not too long from now, Corey. I'm only 32 years old. <laughs> Thinking that the FBI <laughs> is just watching us, like my picture of uh, Charlie in the background over here. Oh yeah, <laughs> just yeah, hundred percent. You got the red the red twine to a bunch of different photos. And uh, so, what are you drinking? Oh, I went. I went really boring. I just. I just went. I went back to the Eagle Eagle Rare. I went back to the well. I uh, didn't have time to stop and get a fresh bottle today. So that's what we're rocking. Nice and neat, like it's supposed to be. Yeah, look at you showing off. I'm sorry that I like mine. A little on the ice. Oh, there's the rain again. An ominous thing that happens every time you record. Here comes a power outage. We better get this thing going here, Corey Walsh. (laughs) Right. So what's new, Dan? Uh, I saw Beavis and Butthead at the Alanis Morissette concert the other day. That was interesting. That was yeah. nice. I did go see Alanis Morissette. Those those that know me know she was my first childhood crush, and I I still love her music. So don't judge me for that. Judge the two turds in front of me that literally were head bobbing. Their, they were head banging like you were watching Beavis and Butthead watch MTV. It was <laughs> it was almost as entertaining as the actual concert was. <laughs> it's just it's just so out of place. It's like what are you guys doing? It's like uh, a friend of mine, me and a friend, went to uh, went and saw Motion City Soundtrack. And if you know who the band is, they're not a mosh pitting band. And a buddy of mine blew out his ACL because we started a mosh pit. Because <laughs> we were like 30 <laughs> years old and started a mosh pit. 
I had to carry him it's up. Like, like we just pushed a bunch of people down, and then he tore his ACL, and then like tried to ask these people for help, and they're like, we weren't going to give it to us because they weren't there for that. <laughs> Dude, shouldn't have been here, asshole. Yeah, you, you shouldn't doing? have been here. I'm here to you raise no business MCS. Being here. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for Pierre. Are we going to open the show with uh, uh, AOC's Met Gala dress this evening? I feel like that is a perfect uh, and and perfectly hilarious place to start is with AOC's gala dress, not only because of the dress itself, but also because of people's reactions to it on both the left and the right, as if it fucking means something and it means nothing. Yeah, it's just, I, uh, I'm going to go, I want you to start off with what you say, what you said earlier, because it was just so good. About like well, first, yeah, first I just wanted to point out that uh, it's like $30,000 per ticket to go to the Met Gala. Tables can cost upwards of, of over a quarter million dollars. And you want to wear a dress that says eat the rich or eat the rich or what is it? Tax, tax the, the rich. rich. Yeah, it eat wasn't even. Who it that, wasn't who's even who's the hell extreme. slogan was that? Didn't somebody say eat the rich? Where I think that's that from? probably Chaz. <laughs> it's not like a, I think that's tax what the rich. saying out there. But yeah, uh, some people some people might consider that the same thing. But I look at that and I go, "All right, so you want to get this expensive dress, you want to put graffiti all over the back of it, and then you want to go hobnobbing with other celebrities feigning concern for poor people while being cuckolded by the democratic establishment." <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. I couldn't say it that good. <laughs> a fun, I was you you the way you put it was that is a really fun way to call her a sellout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, she was um What'd she say? She was trying to say, and by the way, I'm here because I'm a public service and I wasn't a servant and I was invited. But then like the people were like, yeah, she didn't get a free ticket. So somebody paid for a $30,000 ticket for her and de Blasio actually, because de Blasio was there too. No masks in sight. They're there just living it up, just rubbing it in everyone's faces that they're out there spending tens of thousands of dollars for this fashion show thing. I'm not even 100% sure what the Met Gala is. I just know it's a thing for elitists because I didn't get invited. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you'd want to go, dude. Yeah, I'd, I would love to go to one of those and just be shotgunning beers like in, <laughs> on the floor and stuff, trying to see how long I can last before I get kicked out. Show up in your Amish overalls. <laughs> I don't even know if that's PC. But I don't know how... But like, this is... This is the thing, like this is why these these turd establishment Democrat elites keep people like AOC and the squad around because they hold these this this progressive voter base, right? Mm-hmm. And and they and they say you know when they lose out, like exactly what happened to Bernie twice, as he gets cuckolded by the by the by the Democratic Party. Straight cuckold. They, they sit there and they play this woke game, but what do they ultimately do? They sit, they take a back seat, and then they sit there and they endorse a Hillary Clinton or they endorse a Joe Biden or or even a, a Joe Manchin, and we'll get into him probably a little bit later on in the show. And th- this is what th- this is what always happens because you know you're going to be able to hold those progressive votes as an establishment Democrat, so you keep them around and you let them f- you know feign their little wokeism and. You know, throw out their little gestures without actually doing anything. Meanwhile, yeah. like who here. do you think is going to win this this argument over this rec- uh, uh, reconciliation bill? The progressives, like the squad and and the fake centrist elite, or or, or the fake centrist elites, like Joe Manchin. 
Right. It's going to uh, be the fake centrist elites because probably. they're going to kowtow. It's what Bernie does. It's what they, they just, all do. Like, hey, hey, uh, I know you're not a big fan of this reconciliation bill, but here's a uh, thirty grand. Go have some fun. Here's a dress. <laughs> exactly. You know. Exactly. Or hobnobbing with Gail King on TV, like like yeah, AOC did yeah, a few weeks ago. It's yeah. like, you, do you if think- you want to be a progressive, be a fucking progressive. Actually, do what you say. What, what, what you say you're in office for, right? Going to they the Met all Gala fall a, in line eventually. Going to the Met Gala is a far cry from being a bartender who couldn't afford her uh, attire for when she went to work at the at Congress. They don't care about <laughs> poor people, and so yeah, they, they, so it's like, so who's gonna who's gonna win out? A bunch of freshmen who are now being. All of a sudden, someone's giving them thirty grand to go to these elitist things, or is it going to be the centrist who's been there in public office for a long time? The public office has been there for a yeah, long it's time. Gonna the, <laughs> it's going to be the establishment because they're going to sit there and they're going to keep gutting this thing and they're going to keep forcing the progressives to compromise. And and this is one situation where if you really consider yourself a progressive. I, I don't think you should compromise because here's what's going to happen. If that recreation or reconciliation bill doesn't go through and that causes the squad not to vote uh, for the other one, the infrastructure bill, well, guess what? Now everybody's pissed at everybody. So everybody loses. I understand in Washington that generally a good deal is where both sides kind of walk away pissed, but this is infighting on on the left on the on the democratic side and it just it and it, it does. just it, you've already cut this bill in half from 6 trillion to 3.5 trillion and now the centrists are are still trying to get it cut even more it just doesn't make any sense to me which i'm still like we could talk about the actual bill you know people get hung up on the number itself but we're talking about the inner workings of it and uh like my thing is is actually oh man i lost my train of thought there dem I just have so much going in my mind thinking about all of this when it comes to her. The live camera got to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, deer in the headlights look, right? I, uh, (laughs) no, it's when it comes to AOC, like I do lean more towards the libertarian side when it comes to like government, just because of the fact that everything they touch, they fuck up. But then you have this fresh face coming to the Democrats, trying to push them into a thing. Like she comes out, there's that when she breaks it down and she knew what she was doing, she was breaking it down when she was talking about lobbyists to one of the actual lobbyists in Congress. And she's breaking it down of how they can just literally just spend millions of dollars to influence people in Congress and things like that. And she's doing that. And I'm like, great, this girl's actually, she's speaking some truth, but then she turns around and she drops her new deal, which, you know, climate change is a serious thing, but it was all platitudes. There was no real ways of how to pay for it. She's just like, Oh, there's cow farts. You know, and then <laughs> and then she started just falling slowly into this fold of this line because I think she actually likes, you know, the limelight. She's she's there now. I think she's fallen into this mold of liking the position she's in without actually doing the position. Like when she blasted Tulsi Gabbard for uh, voting present for the impeachment for the sake of the unity of the country. And she's like... Oh, you could have just like what you say in a, in a like toe the line or something like that. Like it's like, well, hold on, you were you were talking about coming in there, justice Democrats, to break this shit down, and then you're straight spitting on what they're doing, and it's like like recently, what was it? Her pack was paying for the establishment versus like a uh, a grassroots in uh, was that Georgia? I forget which state it was. It's one of the southern states. 
but yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was just it was the blue no matter who nonsense. Yeah, yeah. How establishment is that? What kind of mantra is that? Blue no matter who. Look what that got us, Joe Biden. Oh, it's better than it's better than the it's better than the other people. And look, you know, it's it's such a nuanced topic because, like, even look looking back on it today, you know, did I want Joe Biden over Donald Trump? I can honestly say yes. I can honestly say yes. I, I think I, I think a lot of right thinking people could honestly say yes, but that doesn't like. Nobody's thrilled about it. In fact, a lot of people have buyer's remorse, including myself. But then I look back and I go, well, what was the alternative? And it sucked too. And that's the kind of thing that we're sick of. And that's the kind of thing that we thought AOC and the squad might be responsible for, which is to stop with this whole, well, just pick the person who's going to fuck the country up less. It, it, and it blows my mind because they and it's not turning out that way. Yeah. Especially because these progressives, there's just enough of them where they do have the whole party by the balls. And then it just, you know, like appearances, you know, in the Bible, for the Christians, you know, it says, abstain from all appearances of evil. Well, I'll tell you what, going to the Met Gala sure looks like you just got bought and paid for. You know what I mean? Like it's... Sure looks that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure is. But she did wear a dress that said tax the rich. So that absolves her of everything. Yeah, there you go. Platitudes. It's a joke. AOC, squad, if you're listening, if you want to be progressives, Remember be progressives. Remember where you came from. Yeah, like, like fuck trying to just t- trying to just toe this line and shit like that. Like, go in there and fucking rattle some cages, especially right now, because you know what? Your time is running out. The midterms are coming up. And yes, all of them are probably secure. They're probably, they're in districts that it's a windfall for them personally. They're definitely going to keep their jobs. But guess what? A lot of your boys and girls that are your fellow comrades aren't going to and you're going to lose the house and you're going to lose the senate and then guess what oh coulda woulda shoulda ain't shit gonna get done and then we're gonna be another stalemate for two years because i bet you biden ain't gonna win 2024 with these that's tough to say that's tough to say at this point but uh you know his history will tell you that midterms are not good for the party in power ever yeah yeah just aren't yeah And, and they don't make it any easier on themselves my, my 2024 prediction is actually just like kind of off the cuff. I was just saying it in my little rant. But like 2022, especially after these mandates, like recent, like like bureaucratic Biden, like it seems like the whole government's yeah. like so afraid to like do anything because of a fallout, like politically on either side, that they're just writing everything off to just unelected officials with like these, the mandates, it's going to be OSHA, you know, that's enforcing vaccine mandates it's not going to be legislation it's going to be cdc that's mandating these moratoriums it's the cdc that was mandating the uh what was the other thing they mandated they did the there was the uh the eviction moratoriums and then there's the vaccine mandates and there was another one that i was thinking of the other day that i was like god damn like it doesn't matter those two those two are plenty like (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you just heard, like just today on the news, I heard, up, oh, uh, Congress is back from their summer session. It's like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, we apparently have the worst pandemic in the world right now. Inflation's at 5%. We're pulling out of a war in Afghanistan. There's hurricanes devastating the whole East Coast and the South. We have fires in the east, on the West Side. Apparently, climate change is killing everything. And they like to rival up their base, which is, it's real. Climate change is real, right? But, 
the pandering that it's used to try to rile up the bases is absolutely insane when they obviously don't give a fuck because they've all been doing fuck all all summer long, hanging out, doing whatever. And it was like, oh, they're back from their summer vacation. And it's like, weren't Yeah, and, and if I'm not mistaken, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been wrong before, I do not believe that a guy like Joe Manchin is a climate change denier. I don't believe so. It would be it would not behoove him to be a climate change denier he's being just, a Democrat. Yeah, he's a moderate that you could literally put an R or a D next to his name and it wouldn't matter. You know, he's just and, right down the middle. Which I'm not so, knocking you know, that sometimes you need that. But Try, trying to gut the rec- reconciliation bill just doesn't. I get what he's trying to do because he li- you know, he's he's in a he's in a purple state. He's going for his more you know uh, uh, conservative constituency. But it's like, why don't you just do what makes sense? And I'm not saying go along with the party, right? I'm not saying like, oh, because your party says to do it, you should do it. But this is one of those situations where his party says that he should do it, and it's probably in most people's best interest to get this thing passed at $3.5 trillion. It's already been gutted in half. Stop being a dick. Stop trying to make sure you get reelected and do your fucking job. How often do we have to say that about all of these people? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just uh, like the political thing of like about what the Democrats should do. We're not even getting into of how, like what exactly is that 3.5 trillion going to like, I get what it's going to. We say it's going to this, going to that, but whose pockets is it going in? Look at the CARES no, Act. No, and the CARES Act gave a what was it like a three million or three trillion windfall to the elites and the rich? Like all that money went straight to the top, while everyone else is still struggling. That's a that's a great point. I mean, because that's there. There's definitely some merit to that. Um, that's that's where I'm at. The, on it. the idea that we just you know the whole big government thing, and you know one of the reasons yeah. why you consider yourself a libertarian. Yeah, it's you just, know, when you. Sh- when you don't know where the money's going, exactly. I, I get it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm like if this, if, if this reconciliation bill, if this reconciliation bill gets passed, I have absolutely no faith that it will actually be executed like it's supposed to be. But the passing of it, in and of itself, if you don't do it, you have no chance to make it work. And the same, same with the infrastructure bill. Yeah, get it and done. It's like, and it's yeah, exactly. Like I'm all for it. You know, we have 58,000 miles of bridge in America that's considered deficient. <laughs> like, I drive on a lot of bridges, Dan. I think about that every single time I fucking cross it. Especially when you think about the now, Zilwaukee when they say, Bridge. It, when it's they considered say deficient. Uh, it's not like it's going to collapse at any moment, but they're like someone went there and looked at it and went, ah, jeez, this might need some work. <laughs> <laughs> Just chat on a boat underneath. Like, well, <laughs> Just, well you're, I don't look right. I see a couple cracks in this here foundation. You should probably get up there and take care of that. You know, I mean, look like a flint. Uh, what city was it? Um, there's there's cities that, oh, I think Chicago. Is that thunder? Mm-hmm. I might hear that in a Sounded second. like a series of shotgun shots. Right. Uh, but it's like, what is it? Chicago, I think, has more lead pipes than Flint does. You know, it's, I mean, look at a million people are out of power in Louisiana recently. Michigan, we have thousands of people out of power almost every other day because of all these uh, storms that we're getting. There it is. I just heard it. As much closer to your house. Uh, like I bet you, I bet you there's probably gonna be ten, fifteen thousand people that lose power tonight in Michigan. Oh yeah. Look at Texas when they when they had that cold snap and they lost a bunch of power. It's. You look at other countries. 
And they got speeding trains. They got cities that have civic technology that are just being smarter. And, and then here we are. Just, just fucked up. We're spending trillions of dollars overseas trying to build other nations. No one ever questions mm-hmm. that money. Nobody ever questions that money. But when it comes to putting it here, it's a woof. all of a sudden everyone's a fucking deficit hawk. And it's and, like, and, I mean, there's and, merit to it. It, 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 it always gets shifted into a culture war issue too, all the time. Right. And there's merit to it. We're at 5% inflation and I fucking hate the whole argument. It's like, we'll just raise taxes. And guess what? That doesn't fucking matter. You could raise it to 100% of the rich. They're all still paying about 3%. Well, you really need to raise, I mean, we, we got to get the interest rates up to even have a chance, but people hear that and they go, oh, I'm going to stop buying. Right. <laughs> Whatever. You want to move into under red pill, blue pill here? All right. So we got a red pill, poop, blue pill for us. Uh, our favorite segment. Our favorite segment. So first, I guess uh, it's the, so the Robert E. Lee statue in Richmond just got removed. The left is saying, it's our... Uh, that's one more step to ending racism, getting rid of an inanimate object. And then what's the uh, the right? The right says, uh, you're erasing history. You're Hitler. Wokesters are erasing history. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm sure a lot of Germans remember who Hitler was. And I bet you there's not one statue of him in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So It's a perfect way. It's a perfect way to put it. So I dove into uh, Robert E. Lee and he's actually quite an interesting character. You know, and it's, I think it's important to separate who Robert E. Lee is, like, and what he is to the country and like not erasing him per se versus like the statue. And we can get into that afterwards. So Robert E. Lee, his lineage, actually, they came over, they're one of the first aristocratic families, like the Lee name down in the South is like, uh, you know, it was like the Hamilton, not the Hamilton, but like the Jeffersons and like all of these like big Southern names. Right. And, uh, he fought in the Mexican American war. That's where he like really got his start. He was considered an American hero up until the point of the civil war. Like he went to West Point. He was one of the, the top people. He was in the army Corps of engineers. He helped build like, uh, Mon- uh Fort Monroe on the coast and things like that. And then he, but he was a Virginian, you know, his family was in Virginia for 180 years when America was only 70 years old. And so he followed his state and he didn't. So he wasn't necessarily just like, Oh fuck the union. Like he was deeply in love with the union. And it was one of the biggest, toughest moves he ever had to make when it just, when it came to the decision and I looked this up too. This is also something interesting. Virginia actually voted to secede. They didn't just say they were going to do it. I don't know if any other states did that. I didn't look into that, but they actually voted to secede. So when the Union Army called him up to ask him to fight for the Union, uh, Robert E. Lee says, he goes, if I fight for the North, he goes, I'm going to be killing my own family and friends who are going to be fighting for the South. So he decided for the sake of his family... You know, especially back then, like, your name was, like, who you are kind of thing. Are you blowing Robert E. Lee here right now, Corey Walsh? <laughs> I'm getting to where I'm getting. He was just a complicated figure. Oh, you're getting there. I I'm see what you're there. doing. I'm, I'm based on the context, you know. So, like, this is, I'm, I'm laying down the groundwork of why people actually care about this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just, like, we still, like, it's funny, like, we're trying to talk shit about him. But here he is. We still use his battle tactics <laughs> constantly when it comes to war because he was a genius fucking tactician he took an army that was 
a fraction of the size of the North and made them tuck their tail between their legs countless times. And so he said he was going to fight for the South and then like something that things, so he was, or so he was in the army and so he's going to fight for the South. But before the war started, he actually took a leave of absence from the army for two years because he had to go work on the plantation. He had inserted, he inherited slaves. They ended up freeing while he was in war and he fought for the South and then he was a big part of the reconstruction when it came to the end because like when he actually like lost, he could have like, it was his call to where like a lot more people could have died because his whole army wanted to said, let's go guerrilla war tactics. Like they wanted to, mm-hmm. they wanted to Vietnam, the North. And he said, no. And then he was a part of the reconstruction. He, uh, he ended up just becoming a scholar at a school. He was trying to bring union or people from the North to his school to get them to work together and things like that. And uh, so he is, he's a controversial figure, but he's also a key figure in the American history. But saying all of that about him, I was trying to just base some pretext, I guess, of like why people still like hold him in a high regard. Because now we got this statue in Richmond that just got taken down. And you know, like, so before I give my thoughts on that statue, what are your thoughts on that statue, Dan? My thoughts on that statue are that that statue doesn't represent Robert E. Lee in any way, way, shape, or form. It represents Jim Crow laws. A put. It represents Jim Crow laws. That's yes, exactly what because it was. that's when those statues were put up. Because I got it, a good story it, for you on that, but first I'm going to give you my take on it. I think that the statue should be taken down. I do. I think the statue should be taken down. I think the statue should be taken down, but I think it should be put in a museum. So it can be portrayed in the proper light. Like if we want it, we want we want it to be a part of history, right? Where do we learn about history? Like in the proper context. A fucking museum. Put it in some sort of civil rights museum where you say these statues were constructed exactly. as a pushback to our movement in the sixties and late fifties and I think even somewhere in the mid fifties. Yeah. Uh the the nineteen yeah, the eighteen nineties, the nineteen twenties, and the nineteen fifties were the three hot spots when a bunch of these statues were put up around all around times when desegregation and uh uh and yeah civil rights when all of that was like the hot button topic they were putting these statues in to try to put people in their place and it's the those like those statues really do represent racism they can represent racism like that statue alone can represent racism without actually representing robert e lee the human being right because and for that reason because robert e lee did say that slavery was reprehensible and immoral he just he was in no place to end it himself he didn't know how to end it and that's basically what he says he goes if we just if we just end this right now it's going to be catastrophic which i mean there's some merit to that but at the same time i don't care what an ep- economic fallout's going to be when it comes to slavery sure but this is also coming from the mindset of 2020 not 1860 yeah. so it's a lot easier to play quarterback and in saying that, like, I'm going to say it again, that slavery is absolutely wrong. And even if I was, I'd hope to think that in 1850, I'd be more of like a John Brown-ish, like, fanatic than a Robert E. Lee fanatic. Which is also funny because <laughs> Robert think? E. Lee is the one who shut down at Shepherd's, was it Shepherd's Ferry? I think it was Shepherd's Ferry. Robert E. Lee went in and John Brown was the one who was just straight up this murking and killing fucking slave owners and shit and saying fuck you we're ending this right now and building an army of his of uh freed slaves but then robert e lee shows up and literally ended that shit in three minutes i think it was roughly 
in hand-to-hand combat with his army and just straight murked John Brown. But I'm not- the good ship Robert E. Lee come to take the cotton away. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jesus. Yeah. But yeah. yeah it, like, it, it can be both things. It can be both things. Yeah, so it's important to not, like, and I don't think, and me saying all this, like, I think this history is important for the sake of, like, where we've been and where we're coming from and where we are. And you got to look at the mindset of history, like, 50, 60 years from now, people are going to look at the mindset of where we were today, you know, a hundred years from now, like, why were they all locking yourself down, locking themselves down? And it's like, well, this is what was going on. So context and pretext is important, but the statue itself was put up in 1890s. And I, I found As a little, middle finger to the black man. Like, that's why it was put up. Well, it wasn't just the black man. So it, I mean, it was the black man, but not just because he was the black man. So in the 1880s, there was a newly created working man's reform party, and they were trying to do segregation and have black men and white men help rebuild the area. Mm -hmm. And so then while they were doing that, it was, yeah, the Knights of Labor launched a grassroots campaign to close the Virginia State Penitentiary's barrel shop and whose use of convict labor undercut the abilities of workers in the city's most racially mixed skills trade to earn a living. And they were like learning, earning union trades and things like that. And, uh, they were, you know, like they were leftists. They were there trying to like fucking start shit up and get work, get uh, workers rights and stuff like that. But the Republicans and the Democrats are the ones that shut that shit down. And so, let me see if I can find it real quick. I have it written down. Uh, yeah, the party fell apart so that that uh, the Democrats and Republicans continued in the efforts to divide the white and black bases on the labor movement. They literally came in and just separate the two and like started just like putting in little like sprinkles of like racism and stuff in there. And then they came in and then put up that statue. And then after that, the whole party just turned into a, a, a loss or like they put the statue up consecrating the monument Avenue as a homage to the lost cause, which is that white solidarity movement. And as soon as it turned to race, the workers party just lost its footing. So like, not only was that statue put up because of racism, it was put up because blue collar workers were trying to unionize and start shit. And so that statue has no place to be there. That statue should be in a in a museum and then teach all of this with a giant or I'll concede, leave the statue in place, put a bigger fucking statue next to it of I don't know, whoever you want. Someone who's a figure right now that's like that's like that would be the perfect image of just how far we've come. Does that make sense? With a big plaque explaining, look, this is what we thought in eighteen eighty. This is what we think now. Just please not Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> you know that'll be the choice. It will be. Or, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just like everyone's so, that everyone cherishes this statue so much, right? Like, oh, this statue, like it's our history. Then let's uh, preserve it properly. Put it in a cli- nice climate controlled room. Explain what it meant. Explain what it's about. I don't understand. Like if they really cherish it that much, then... Why not preserve it properly? So which pill are you swallowing here, Corey? Is it going to be the wokesters are erasing history or we're solving racism? Well, I'm going to double down and definitely say that, like, what we're talking about is the statue and not Robert E. Lee. We're not erasing Robert E. Lee from uh, history. So it's a clear cut answer. I'm going with the blue pill. 
Yeah, I, I, I got to say the same. Um, even though I think that that statement of we're solving racism is completely oh, farcical. It's all platitudes. <laughs> it's just it's just a yeah, pander, man. Yeah. Because you know what? There's still civil asset forfeiture. There's still stop and frisk. That's definitely targeting minorities. There's still an incarceration yeah. rate that's ridiculous when it comes to black people in prisons. So and like, there's still it's just not regular people problems. who don't like black people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just and taking no, right. that, guess, like and guess what being that statue is going to do? Make those people that don't like black people not like them more. Agreed. <laughs> Which yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless, like, like you try to put yourself in people's shoes. And if I was a black person, I would, because black people aren't dumb. And they would, seeing that statue every single day when you're just trying to go about your business is just this constant, just towering figure over you, just being like, know your place. Like, I get the menacing feeling of it. And that's why I personally think it should be put in a museum. But the whole mantra of just like tackling inanimate objects in the name of wokeism, it's just like punching concrete. You know, you saw, remember you saw those videos and they took down statues during the riots when the people were like punching the statue. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Yeah, and it's it was mostly white people. Let's let's be honest yeah. that we're doing at least at least at least that we're doing the punching part. It was mostly uh, a, a apologetic white people. And look, this is what I say about just racism in general all, all the time. Is I think going both ways from a political political perspective, I th- I really think white people need to shut the fuck up and listen a whole hell of a lot more. When it comes to racism, whether whether you're somebody who's actually prejudiced against uh, against the black community or whether you're somebody who considers yourself woke and wants to help. Right. Everybody just needs to shut the fuck up and actually listen a little bit more. You know, if your skin is 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 certainly as white as mine or yours, just shut the fuck up and listen a little bit more. Right. That's that that's that's just the way I, I feel. I really about try it. to look at things with perspective. And that's why I was kinda like throwing some people who were like who have like serious like emotional attachment to the statue i was throwing them a bone because robert e lee is a controversial figure but he's still a very big key role in what america was he helped us win the mexican-american war he was a a distinguished battle tactician a fucking genius that we still use his battle tactics today but and he said racism is immoral, you know, like if you want to throw him bone, say, well, look, you know, but like, like everything is complicated. It's not nuanced. It's not simple black and white, but putting a statue it is up, nuanced. Yeah, this is apparently, but like, <laughs> like, but uh, putting a statue up under the Jim Crow laws to try to put someone in their place and then taking it down is not equivalent to erasing the history of someone who you think is important to the to the country. No, it's a statue. It's a statue that represents racism. That's just what it represents. It's, it's what it exactly represents. what it represents. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Is like Robert E. Lee doesn't represent slavery. He didn't own slaves. He married into a slave family, and he ended up releasing slaves and things like that. The statue represents fucking racism and should be tore down. Why is that so controversial? There we go. <laughs> It's, it shouldn't be, be you know, because it just people, I don't think a lot of people get it. I don't think people, people that want that statue to stay up, it's, it's this battle against wokeism. You know, it's like, it, 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 sometimes, like, this is what pisses me off so bad about the culture wars, is that it gets into our heads so, so deeply sometimes 
to where something as simple as a statue that's racist as fuck is defended because, well, we can't let the wokesters get too much of an advantage here. And that's what it's about, right? Like, that's what the defense of the statue is really about at its core, I think. They just want to keep their inanimate object. What's up with America always fighting ideologies and inanimate objects? Guns, statues, terrorism, and drugs. (laughs) Yeah, can't let... Just can't let the other guys get a win. It's, it's, right. it's like, well, they don't have to be the other guys. So we're blue I'm so tired of fuck this time, huh? I got stop uh, othering people. Can we stop doing that? So we got blue pilled, Dan. How's that feel? You, I know you're okay. With we it. got blue pilled this week. You're yeah, okay with being it's blue-pilled. fine. I feel a little dirty. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so clear cut and it's done that I'm not going to take the bullet on that one. Uh, so well. How woke is too woke, Dan? Final drone strike in Afghanistan? Huh? What? Well, I was going to say, how woke is too woke? Oh, you want to go there first? Sure. Yeah, how woke is... we'll go is... to final, final drone strike in Afghanistan. How woke is too woke? I don't know, Corey. How woke is it? Oh, my God. My computer is freezing. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm trying to find the, the quote. Okay, so this is how... Are co- you sure we shouldn't do drone strike first? Uh, okay, so COVID-19... Uh, you know, like some of the hospitals are getting overbearing, you know, and like doctors are saying, well, we might have to make choices, right? We might have to make choices of who we're going to actually help and stuff like that. So Jimmy Kimmel had the perfect solution, Dan. And he said, the choice doesn't seem so tough to me. And this is the exact quote. Uh, the choice doesn't seem so tough to me, Kimmel said. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes. Come right in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. So now we're creating these weird second-class citizens because they're not vaccinated that now fuck the whole Obamacare no preconditions plan <laughs> that like we're deciding who like deciding on whether or not you're vaccinated or not you're going to be treated. Is it the argument against the pre-existing condition thing though that it's like a choice? It's a choice to be have that pre-existing condition, which which would be, in fact, that you are unvaccinated, right? That would be technically the pre-existing condition towards to whether or not you would be able to be treated in a hospital under those circumstances that Jimmy Kimmel so eloquently laid out. Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but how come the mantra is about helping drug addicts, you know, but like, uh, <laughs> that's, well, that's not a choice, Corey. Or, okay, obesity. Depression, just get better. <laughs> those are diseases. Those aren't those. None of and those I'm not are downplaying yeah. either of them, but I'm Be saying less that like, fat. Those right, are that doesn't work. That you hear people say on the right, like drug, like drug addiction, drug addicts. That addiction isn't a disease, you know. And it's mm-hmm. just uh, like you, like we we use this saying a lot now. It's like you can't see the forest of the trees. You're so quick to try to like fall in line with this weird. If you don't get vaccinated, you literally are trying to come to my house and cough on my grandma type mantra. Now, have you have you heard the other explanation for why it was okay that Jimmy Kimmel said what he said? No. What is that? Oh, he's a comedian. He's a com- he's a comedian. Oh, but when somebody like Joe Rogan makes a joke, all of a sudden, yeah, it just it's not oh, he's not a comedian. He means what he says. You can't have it both ways man. here, kids. It's got to fit the narrative, man. Yep. It's one or the other. And yeah, it's just like, how the fuck? 
I just it's it's just it, it it baffles me that like the left tries to take this moral high ground and then watching them lose their patience because you're not doing what they want you to do that it's like fine die then and it's like well, well wait. being being somebody on the left that's what frustrates me the most it's I've talked about this a million yeah. times like I criticize the left so much because that's my home that's my political home that's where I'm from I, I know what being a liberal is supposed to be and and like what Jimmy Kimmel said under the guise of being liberal is unbelievably illiberal. Like there's nothing liberal about refusing to treat people because they didn't get a vaccine or for any reason, right? You're not right. supposed to not treat people at all for any reason. If you're a liberal, that's how, not how it works. We want Medicare for all, right? We want all that stuff. Unless you're not vaccinated. Oh, Medicare for all, unless you don't have a vaccine is basically <laughs> what they're saying. And that fucking pisses me off. That's not how this works. Yeah. It's, it's just mind blowing. And all it does is just drive a wedge into this. Now one more culture war that we have going on in our country. It's just insane. So yeah, so that's my how woke is too woke. That like that is too woke. That is yeah. How woke <laughs> is too woke. That's a bit too woke. Whether it's a premise of uh, trying to be funny or not, like you could tell, like it's it's out of frustration. I don't know if that joke came from comedy versus frustration. I don't think it came from a good place. But maybe I'm just assuming. Who knows? I got a little heated there for a second, so I don't. I don't think that was from a good place. I think we need to move to something more, uh, more, more near and dear to our hearts, which was the final drone strike in Afghanistan, it's, Corey it's, Walsh. It's probably not the final drone strike. That's the sad part. <laughs> yeah, why did I use final? I should. I should have chosen better vocabulary there. Optim- uh, <laughs> ignorantly optimistic. <laughs> Zamari Amadi was. An Afghan aid worker, and he was the target of that last drone strike following uh, the attack on the uh, Kabul airport uh, as the United States was withdrawing from Afghanistan. And it was, of course, under the guise of... He's ISIS. My dog barking at the thunder or something. Because he thinks it's Uh, bullshit. We got ISIS-K. We got a guy. He was from ISIS-K. And look, you, you dropped a bomb... From eighty fucking five thousand feet, killed an innocent man and nine family members. And here's why this is so important to talk about: because for all of the the, the people that were giving me shit for simply saying that getting out of Afghanistan was a good thing, and I will stand by that until the day that I die, even if. Like And it's like we said, we can argue about the details. We can argue about how it was done, when it was done, why it was done, all that shit. But at the at the end of the day, Afghanistan being over is a good thing in my book, and I will not change, I will not waver from that. Uh, but all of these people, they, they were all giving me things like, um, well, you, you just don't care about those Americans that were left over there, and you just don't care about those women and children that are going to be brutalized by the Taliban. Thanks for telling me what the fuck I care about. Yeah, I will flip that back on you and say, where are your crocodile tears when an innocent man gets bombed under the under the guise of, of, of being an ISIS K member? And this is the shit that happened for twenty fucking years and you never paid attention to it. The media oh, yeah. never paid attention to it. Yeah, there's just drone strikes but on yeah, schools, weddings. We should have stayed. You know, the military, I guess, figured Ahmadi was acting suspiciously when he was just going about his normal business as a worker for the California-based aid group Nutrition and Education International. 
And so he was dropping off colleagues at various places in Kabul. Is it Kabul or Kabul? I'm going to say Kabul. I think they say Kabul. Kabul. According to the director of NEI in Afghanistan, he interviewed by Times reporter that the explosives in the vehicle were water cartons. They said, well, they saw him putting containers in his car. He was fucking putting water cartons in his car to bring home to his family. And dude, the poor guy was out doing his daily thing, working for this, you know, this aid group. Comes home to the family with his water after a hard day's work. His kids come running out to him. And then, boom. America, you know, the good guy, just straight fucking drone strikes a man and kills him and nine of his family members. Like, like a nine-year-old, like his kids were killed, dude. And like, what the fuck? You know, you know what that leads me to believe? All of these drone strikes, whether it was under Obama, Trump, or Biden... It's almost like they would just follow somebody around for a while with a drone and then drop a drop a bomb on him. Wait for him to do just something so they could suspicious. say, well, look, we got one of the bad guys. See, we're doing things over there. Yeah. You're murdering people. You murdered people. That's what you did. Age between two. I'm not wavering from that at all. Not What'd you say? Ten victims aged between two and 20, and three of them were his own kids. All of them were innocent. But sure. But sure, Biden fucked up getting us out. So that's what we'll focus on. No, Biden fucked up. He was just letting this fucking happen. It's all because it's all because he wanted to look tough. Biden wanted to look tough. He wanted to look like he still had some balls to do something because he got lambasted because of fucking uh um what's it called? The the fucking thirteen soldiers dying over there. And so mm-hmm. We literally just went over this for like an hour in the last episode of how all of his policies and everything he does is knee-jerk emotional reaction. So he had this knee-jerk emotional reaction, and the first time he hears any whiff of someone who might possibly maybe be ISIS, he's driving a car and he's got containers in the back, and Biden's like, I'm not going to kill him. And it pisses me off, man. It's ridiculous. We've killed, you know how many, like, we talk about 13 soldiers dying, you know, and we talk about the thousands that have died there in the line of duty, who all of them thought they're, like, who all of them went there to protect our homeland. But we completely negate the hundreds of thousands of Afghanis and Iraqis and Syrians and Libyans and Somalians. And you could just keep going and going and going down the list of people that we've killed in this name of Operation Freedom. And it's all just for what? Trillions of dollars spent over there while we go back, going back in a roundabout talk to 58,000. Nation building, Corey. Yeah. It's about nation building. You know what nation we should build, Dan? How about the Our great own. old US of A? Oh, uh, you want to? America first, am I right? I know. That makes me sound right because I think that we should stop killing fucking kids over there and build bridges here. Put some fucking pipes in that nah. don't have lead in them that are making kids and Flint fucking dumb. No, can't say that. Can't say that. <sighs> I'm heated, Dan. <laughs> that one pisses me off. It's fucking stupid. I'm with you. We got we got to let the people on Facebook Live go as uh, we, we dive into uh, our monologues for the episode. If you want to hear those monologues, please uh, download the show. Uh, you can find us at Libservative. Uh, on any of your major podcast platforms, just uh, type in Libservative. You'll see the little uh, flag logo that we have. That's us. Uh, yeah, before actually, we go, though, Corey, one of the guys that actually what are we doing? Well, real quick. Well, actually, you know what? Before we do that, I do. I did go to the people. 
I went to the people. Oh, you did. I, I keep forgetting about the people. How am I? I'm terrible. It's okay. I went to the people. We went to the Redditors. I went to the Redditors. And I asked them what should be done with the Robert E. Lee statue. And then I asked them, uh, mm-hmm. what do they think of the mandate, the vaccine mandates? And no one actually bought on the vaccine mandate one. <laughs> I Interesting. didn't get any questions. I thought that'd be a heated one. But I think a lot of the people, I, I feel like they have a lot of the same... Uh, there's a mix of the things that we've said and then a mix of like super wokey people. And like, so someone said placed in a museum in proper context of atrocity of atrocious things. The man was fighting for there's a time and place for the darker figures of history and a town square. Sure. Ain't it sinking putts. He must be a golfer, Dan, a man after your own heart. <laughs> Minnesota should steal it and melt it into an ingot so they can, store it next to the confederate flag they took from the v from virginia at gettysburg <laughs> <laughs> there's some facetiousness there but i like it cast a bronze tree and hang the traitor statue from it that's another thing i do want to add at the end of the day robert e lee was a traitor to the union a hundred percent he was and a traitor a trait a treasonous at the end of the day a treasonous loser probably shouldn't get a participation trophy That's what you consider the statue as a, a participation trophy. I'm not going to argue with you. Like that's that's I'm not, that's not. I mean, he didn't win. <laughs> Someone said cast a bronze tree and hang. Oh, I, I read you that one. Someone said museum. Yeah. You know. Someone said I don't care about losers. <laughs> He's a Confederate general, a military man. Just leave the statue alone. This is about history for me, not political reservations. He was a general in the Confederate States during the Civil War. Leave it as is. Anyone who loves history and military history with a passion will understand me. Which I guess that's I kind of do. Like when I was saying how I was talking about the context of like who he was. We still use his battle tacticians. He was he was a genius fucking military tactician, but that's about it. You know. And uh not wait, I hear me close that one out real quick. And then ground up into dust, spread over sewage. And then someone said, make it an artificial reef, which might actually, what if we did? What if we dumped all the fucking statues? Like, I'm just, I'm just thinking as we're, as we're talking about this, we need to build, rebuild the reefs. If someone really wants to go see the statue, get your scuba license, go look at it. Yeah. Yeah, You can still go see it. It's, it's doing, it's doing good work now. It's doing the most good. (laughs) But yeah. So then that's, that was us going to the people. That was that was fun. There was some jokey ones in there, which is great. Reddit's Reddit's not everybody thinks Reddit's like this weird cesspool. It's not nearly the cesspool that Twitter is. No. Not even close. No, people it's weird. <laughs> people on Reddit just seem to just use their minds a little bit more. Yeah. I like I it. I do too. Uh but yeah, we're gonna move on to the monologue. So download the episode to hear those. Uh you can find us Libservative on any of the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify. I want to give a quick Google shout Play. out to uh, Chris. He did just share our live feed. Uh, Very nice. Thank you, Chris. Chris, his name's Chris. He's uh, one of my sister's friends, actually. I consider him a friend. I like Chris. And uh, <laughs> you better say that <laughs> I'll now. I consider him a friend. Chris is a friend. <laughs> it's recorded, it's in the history. Nobody throw this into the reef. <laughs> he uh, actually go, yeah, he, uh, I forget it. Oh man, I should know his name. He he raps a little bit and stuff. I was gonna give him a shout out on his rap name, but sorry, bud. 
<laughs> but we need a, we need a better intro so we could rock that Ooh, out. I got some people who can actually make us a good intro. I got plenty of people if we want to actually work on there that. Yeah, he's one of them. Get him, my cousin Mikey. Uh, but yeah, he uh, definitely, Chris, go listen to the, I was telling him actually about my little mantra I was going to say about the, like, spoiler alert, it's about the mandates. So make sure you go mm, yeah. and download this episode when it posts tomorrow, on Thursday, sorry, post and on Thursday. I'll be talking about the uh, the protests in Afghanistan yeah. today. New episodes so, every Thursday. Download. You can find us on all of Download the episode. Go ahead. Like, G- give yep. the social stuff there, like, Corey. Like, follow, share. We're on Instagram and uh, Twitter at LibservativePod. We're on Facebook at Libservative. We're about to be starting a, actually, WordPress where we're going to be putting all of our little monologues and all of things that we think out and that we put down in text. We're going to be putting on there little snippets. Uh, follow us or listen to us on all of your so- on your podcast platforms. Tell a friend. Just tell a friend about us. If you're into politics, I know you have a friend that's into politics. We're just here to try to call balls and strikes. Get involved with us. And engage us with us. Think. Yeah. It makes the show better. Good faith conversations. It makes the show more fun for you. makes the show more fun for us. All right. Facebook Live. Goodbye for now. That's the end of that. Now that we got rid of the normies. <laughs> All the diehards are still sticking around. What are you... Gonna be talking about today, right, Corey. So, you know, recently, you know, so in the last week, like we literally just got done bashing Biden, and then the next day he dropped his uh, his vaccine mandate. So, when it comes to the vaccine mandate, there is actual precedence all the way back to actually. I'll I'll get into that right after that. All right. So, let me start with my man, my mon, my uh, monologue. You ready? Crow doesn't taste so good. Take it from me. In the, in the last year, the tinfoil hat gif of Weird Al Yankovic with the text seems a little crazy was not only in my favorites favorites folder, but was reliably in my recents folder as well. I was one voice of millions brushing off the idea of government overreach during this pandemic, and we've seen nothing but. Through hyperpolitization, bureaucracy, convenience, and outright ineptitude, our government has drunk stumbled us here, a country where millions are on the brink of losing their homes, jobs unfilled, a divisive environment so polarized it's like we're in two different realities. $5 trillion windfall to the top 1% from our taxes, and now a forceful hand with a needle that, that is giving 100 million Americans an ultimatum, either take the vaccine or be a second-class citizen. Where you can't work for over 100,000 different businesses in America, can't enjoy restaurants, theaters, or virtually any sort of entertainment. And you're vilified by your fellow Americans because you haven't been inoculated no matter how serious or trivial your justification is. The blowback on this is going to have political, economical, and social impacts, and I can't think any of that that are going to be any of that good. The damage is done when it comes to the devastation. The virus caused, and we've lost a lot of lives that no mandate or law will ever bring back. Yes, the vaccine is saving lives exponentially, but at what cost? Our country? It may sound trivial, but Americans but Americans have rattled cages over less, and just brushing off half the country as crazy or sheep based on an ideological leanings obviously isn't working either. I'll still advocate for the vaccine when asked, but the government forcing something of such of such a personal decision regarding body autonomy, I'll always give the government the middle finger. So it's just, it's insane to me 
of just, I guess where I'm pissed off the most is when all of the dust, when all of the noise, when all of this was starting, all of the crazy fucking tinfoil hat people were going, that's it. This is just government overreach. They're going to be kicking in doors and this and that. I literally said, you're fucking insane. I told people they're insane on the daily. And then things they keep saying, it's not nearly as extreme as what they are portrayed, but this is enough to where I am literally eating my own words. Foot in mouth, damn. And you know what? Yeah. And there is no, I mean, there is precedent for it. All the way back to George Washington, he inoculated his soldiers because more of them were dying from smallpox and more and than the actual British army. There is, and so I think when it comes down to it for me, it's more of me, I don't like being wrong than mm-hmm. thinking about the precedent of what is actually happening. And there's even precedent that goes back to, I think it's 1905, it's Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And it was about smallpox or smallpox or polio, one of the two. And if it, that's, if it, then it might've been like 1912, actually. One of the two dates, one of the two viruses, doesn't matter. Uh, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, the Supreme Court ruled that this pastor couldn't have his own personal liberties of not getting vaccinated against that virus because his personal liberties were infringing on the personal liberties of other people. But here's the caveat, Dan, and this is why this mandate does piss me off because it's being done out of sheer laziness and convenience and being done through a unelected bureaucratic institution that in that it says legislation. That if legislation is passed to pass a vaccine, then you can't deny it based on your personal liberties. But that's not what they're doing today, man. What they're doing today is they're fucking just... I don't even know who the fuck's in charge of OSHA and all the people there that are making these decisions and who's supposed to enforce this. The same with the CDC, same with FDA, all these different people. They're just people just put in charge. Well, I'll be interested to see what OSHA actually does does here because basically uh joe biden and and the administration have have put it into uh osha's hands and i i have i have mixed feelings about this like overall i hate the idea of a vaccine mandate overall but on the other hand i feel like if you're given an out, which is weekly testing. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a de facto mandate. You know what I mean? It's not really like full. It's not really like it's not really like a full boner of mandates. It's more like a quarter chub. It's like on its way up. Got a half chub. Um, yeah. Like so softcore porn on HBO. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. The scramble porn where you can't quite get hard enough, especially when you're like on a coke binge, it's tough. Uh, so, so uh, I guess what I would say is that the the idea of it is disturbing to me, and it's not because it's mostly because we just don't have enough data on this vaccine yet. It's just now approved by by the FDA. The data will show you that yes, it is effective. Five billion doses. But what I have an issue with it, it's definitely effective. It definitely, if you if you have it, you're not going to get as sick if you catch COVID. You know, it definitely helps you not get COVID at all. Um, but 
the, the problem with it is they haven't updated this thing for variants yet, right? Like you're still like, how good is it? Because I have the vaccine. My last shot was in late January. Like I've already hit that eight month mark. How effective is it going to be for me against Delta or any other variants for me to go get another shot in my arm tomorrow? Nobody knows that. Right. So it's just like we don't have enough. I want people to stop pretending. This is where I get so upset with the Democratic establishment. I want you to stop pretending like this vaccine is some sort of perfect proven tool. It's not. Right. We have we have good data on it. It looks promising. But promising is not good enough for me to accept a mandate that I have to go get a shot in the arm. And I and I did it voluntarily. Right. And I'm I'm not going to die on some hill. Like you know what? Like like I like I've explained before. I just I donate blood plasma. You know what I mean? So like I it's it and I'm not going to lie, like, the main reason I do it is because I'm making money on it. But, like, it's a nice byproduct that I'm donating plasma to help save lives. But if I have to get this vaccine, this is going to take about, like, and if I, like, if I, if I don't get, if I get the vaccine and I have perfect response to it, it's going to take about 500 bucks out of my pocket for a month. If I have bad reactions to it, it's going to slash my overtime. And I'm probably going to lose about seven, 800 bucks a month for a month and it's like well fuck me right now all of a sudden that i'm getting hammered over something that honestly i feel like <laughs> when you look up things like blood plasma helping people with immune disorders who are trying to battle covid i feel like i had more of a net positive by donating plasma versus getting the vaccine that the data doesn't even sh- we don't even have clear data on how much break breakthrough cases there are because they're probably way underreported because the vaccine does oh, way underreported. So when someone does get the sniffles, they're not running to the hospital to get tested. They're just resting. So it's just, and you know, it's I kind of just had this thought process that just popped into my head to where it's like I don't even know if I want to use the word libertarian anymore. I want to use the word constitutionalist <laughs> because <laughs> it's like. We, it's insane to me, like, legislation and government expansion is supposed to be hard. The way our constitution is writ, it's supposed to be tough. And we're circumventing that with these weird, no-faced, no-named bureaucratic entities to where they just get to make decisions with no political fallout or anything. And then we're just like, well, that's it. It's like police actions. It's, this is literally police actions to circumvent the legislation for our government. Like, if our representatives yeah, and, all and got people, together people... and said, we're passing legislation, you know, the Healthcare Reform Act, everyone's getting these vaccines, we're going to get everyone, make sure they're safe and they're secure and they're healthy, then there's nothing I can say about I... it. Legislation passed it. But when it's well, it's not only that, but like it's the executive orders, right? That's because another one. Executive orders, police, executive actions, orders, mandates. Here's what I find interesting about executive orders: they've actually become part of the culture war. Because if Trump makes an executive order, the Trumpies think it's great. If Biden make it, makes an executive order, the Biden know, the, boys, the Biden, the Biden, <laughs> Can we call them the, the Biden boys, the Biden boys <laughs> think it's great. 
and the uh, you know the Trumpies think it th- think think it's terrible, and, and and all you see is like, well, this is how many executive orders Barack Obama signed, but this is how many executive orders Donald Trump keep signed. Well, now this is how many executive orders. It, it's, it's like just, a number of executive and orders. Each one and what's so stupid is <laughs> it just keeps yeah, going up, and up, it's and like, up more. It's like what are we still arguing about? Because second of all, we all know what an executive order is. It's always temporary. It's always temporary. The next guy can come in and write a new fucking executive order that says that old executive order is shit and throw it in the garbage. People freak out so much about executive orders. Like, don't get me wrong. I think they're bullshit. I think they should be less easy to do. But at the end of the day, as far as like danger to the country and society, for the most part, they can still be overturned in the courts, which is, again, what makes our, 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 our constitution so great. And even so, like the ones that are written, like it's not like Biden can go write an executive order tomorrow that says Democrats are to be president until the year 3000. Like like people just get this idea that like a president can just write executive orders that say anything they want and it just does not fucking work. Republicans, he's writing it like with a crayon. Republicans are illegal. Yeah, like, I mean, that's what Hitler did, right? He made all other parties illegal. Like, you can't just do that here. Like, I understand why people are afraid of of our government right now and the overreach and whatever, but it's like, my God, there are certain places we're not going to be able to go. And, And it's not to say that we could never get there, but we have to stop all this bullshit culture war and infighting. And as the people, we're the ones that have to stop shit like that from happening. Like the Constitution can only do so much. Right. Yeah. Like it's, you know like what I mean? Benjamin Franklin was asked, uh, what do we have? And he said, the Republic, if you can keep it. Bunch of yeah, mandates 100%. and bureaucrats and, and lobbyists and institutions of unelected officials is not a Republic. No, yeah, you can you can blame you can blame politicians, but at the end of the day, like if you're gonna if you're gonna sit there and be a constitutionalist and 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 talk about you know you know by the people for the people, well, guess what? We are the people, and we have to take responsibility in this bullshit. Yeah. At some point, you, you you gotta wake the fuck up and realize that the way you're handling your business, it's not working. It's not working for me. It's not working for you. And and hopefully that's what this show can do. And that's kind of what we're here for. We're, we we want to add some comedy to it, but it's like, guys, stop arguing about over who's worse, Trump or Biden, and demand somebody that works better and works right. for like, you. Could you imagine if both sides walked away from their parties? Then that, that'd be it. You know what I mean? Like, if we both just, like, yeah, it's insane, like, how well they've done such a good job at dividing the people. And that's why you hear people like Jimmy Dore, like, he's like, no, fuck Democrats, Republicans, he's like, he's just trying to create a class, a class party. You know what's funny about Jimmy Dore? Here's what I love about Jimmy Dore. First of all, he's, the way he speaks is absolutely brilliant. But the thing I love most is like, I don't really know how the establishment is is trying to hate on him. Because you know how, I can't remember who puts it out. Is it Atlas or somebody like that that puts out like that little graph of how like left or right each news publication is and like how much facts they do yeah. and stuff? Yeah. So they have Jimmy Dore like all the way to the left and like borderline conspiracy theorist. Because like the way the table works is like the, the vertical is like facts versus conspiracy theory from top to bottom. And then left to right is literally left to yeah. right so if you fall in that bottom left corner you're super left and doing conspiracy yeah, no, theory it was, talking it was, uh, 
credibility to conspiracy left to right. Right? Right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So like like yeah, dead yeah, yeah, nuts yeah. center at the very top is like AP, NPR skews a little left. Reuters. BBC skews a little left. Reuters, I think, is like dead nuts center. The Hill is up there a little bit to the right. Reasons up there a little bit to the right. Actually, Reasons more to the right because it's like libertarian but yeah yeah no I, I i really like that graph it's it's important to i think that's that should be a graph that we'll have to like, share i don't i feel like it's a really bad place for jimmy door <laughs> i don't feel like he's he's not a conspiracy theorist he's just calm he's no just, not at all he just like shitting on the left because they're all a bunch of pandering identity politic pompous fucking hucksters <laughs> he's a progressive who hates democrats i like that yeah. about him sorry yeah. i like that about him it's the same reason I just shit on AOC earlier in the episode. Um, we came out swinging hard. What if I got <laughs> Oh, yeah, he did. I did. I'm sorry. Like, that just pissed me off. I just, Enough. Like, that is the most pandering bullshit thing she's done, I think, period. Yeah, that was... Threw it out on Instagram. Fuck off. Stupid. If you want to go to the gala, like, that's the thing. Is like, I don't even hate on her for going to the gala. Put on a dress and go to the gala. Don't fucking pander by getting a stupid dress and, and putting it on Instagram like that. Like, fuck you. Really quick, let me look up the percentage of people making 30 grand a year in a country. It's not many. Isn't 30 grand still below, technically below the poverty line? I think it, I think it depends on how many people you have in your family. Like, if, like, it's like, because I think if you're like single, I think 32 grand is like the power. No, I think like 13 grand might be like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. You Google what the poverty line is real quick. <laughs> Are we doing this live? Oh no, we're not live anymore. Oh yeah. I mean, we're doing it live on the recording. We're half, live recording. Half of American workers made less than 35 grand in 2019. Oh my god! And she just blew it on a fucking ticket to the gala with a fucking dress that says "Tax the Rich." I mean, I mean that way. I mean, and it wasn't her money. You know that right. it was. It was some donor. It was some donor's money. Mm-hmm. Get the hell out of here! Yeah, ten point three million workers. Whatever. Compensation was between thirty and thirty-five grand a year in two thousand nineteen. Individuals with nobody working forty break. hours a week should be below the poverty line. What is the poverty line? Medicare for all. Dude, I don't know. It's like this weird convoluted graph that I don't feel like really making out right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like got a bunch of different lines on it. Whatever. Yeah. So for a family, it's something like thirty grand for a family matter. or household of four persons living in one of the forty-eight contiguous states or the District of Columbia, the poverty guideline for twenty twenty-one is twenty-six thousand five hundred. <laughs> so this. All right, that's not what I'm looking at, but I when it, I, I went to poverty threshold. Okay. Like an yeah, I just looked up American there, poverty Everybody line. knows what that means. Typed it in all caps with my two fingers uh. like this. <laughs> Twenty six grand. What am I? So she's fucking in one night. <laughs> she fucking spent more on a ticket than ten million people, or had somebody else. What am I taking a look at this week? Oh, yeah. Thousands protest against the Taliban in Kandahar. That happened just today, September 14th, 2021. Thousands of Afghans gathered in Kandahar today 
to protest the Taliban as they attempt to evict residents from a residential army colony in what appears to be an attempt to push Afghanistan into apartheid. But, you know, our biggest ally in the Middle East has been engaging that forever, so why should we care? Uh, Upwards of 3,000 families were asked to leave this colony. Who are these people? Mostly retired Afghan army officials, special forces, and the widows and families of deceased servicemen from the area. This goes along with numerous other protests that have taken place since the Taliban gained total control over the country in August. Some of these protests have proven to be violent, but outside of a few anecdotal stories from Kandahar, Tuesday's protesters appeared to be mostly unharassed. The protest even resulted in Kandahar's governor stating that evictions would be put on hold until the situation was discussed with community elders. You could take that for what it's worth. Trusting the Taliban to do this fairly is probably unwise. But why is this important? One, the Taliban want to push an interpretation of Islam that is radical and even brutal on the people of Afghanistan. But they may also realize that in order to build their nation, they must remain relevant on the world stage by building trade and commerce. With the whole world watching, it'll be difficult to build those relationships while you're brutalizing and even killing your own people. Even China isn't going to touch that one right off the runway. How long the Taliban are willing to hold on are willing to hold out on this remains to be seen. But it makes it crucial that the world continues to pay attention. Much better than we did over the last 20 years as the United States bombed the tits off of the Afghan civilians in the name of quote-unquote catching the bad guys and nation-building. And number two is, the protests could mean, th- these protests could mean that our 20 years of murdering innocent people in the name of avenging 9-11 in a country that had nothing to do with the attacks wasn't a complete waste of resources and lives. It shows that on a, it shows that an on and off oppressed population may have gotten a taste of what real freedom is like from our boys and girls in arms, and they don't want to let it go. Even as the Taliban has made protests without specific permission illegal, said permission will never be given, but you're not a fucking idiot, so you already knew that. It's important that we pay attention. With all of the negative, hyperbolic, and sometimes downright misleading press regarding Afghanistan over the past month, this is a mostly good story. And it's imperative that the world continue to watch. Because we all know what happens if we stop. The the brutality of the Taliban takes over, and the chances that we make up another reason for the fallacy of nation-building and phony humanitarian efforts in the name of imperialism, corruption, and greed grows exponentially as time goes on. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point that like maybe the roots of freedom were put there. And you know what? And we might be eating out words if if these protests continue. We we gave a shot of freedom for 20 years to a country that knew nothing of it. And the fact that these protests are happening, there is a spirit of revival in that country 
and that maybe it wasn't all for naught. I mean, time will tell, but we have 20 years of women actually going to school that now they have to fight for it. And they are fighting for it. These people, so these people, like, so when we look at our country, when we protest, we do see forms of brutality. We see the cops shoot rubber bullets, shoot tear gas at people. We see them beat the fuck out of people. We see them shoot rubber bullets at our own press, right? We saw that on live TV. But that's a far cry from being hung in the street and being shot down and being killed and having your family killed and being the next person with a black bag over your head while you're getting beheaded because you spoke your mind. And it sounds like, like, cause like now, especially because America is gone, but these riots are not riots. I'm not going to call them riots. I'm going to call them protests. I have no signs of stopping. They're over there. Yeah. Like literally like even, fighting for their own freedom. And even though they're technically illegal and look, I don't want to portray it like the Taliban hasn't gotten violent with these protesters at all during this time. They have. Um, and in fact, uh, the, the United Nations is, is saying that the, that the rate of, of violence um, against these protesters has gone up a little bit, but Tuesday's protest the, what what I what from what I have have seen this has been the the largest one in a single place so far going largely uninterrupted and even getting the uh the the, the governor of Kandahar to put these things on on hold look I don't know these evictions on hold I don't know it, it maybe it's just you know words maybe it, it does it's not gonna make a difference you know they're gonna end up evicting all these people anyway but like to not even act like that's a small step in the right direction. I mean, even if there's a million more ste- steps to take, you got to start with the first one. And, you know, that's that's big to me. And and I think it says a lot about our the hubris regarding our military might, right? Like, we get the hell out of there. The Taliban are stronger, and at least so far... The Afghan people, not even the puppet military that we put in place, the Afghan actually seem to be having more of an effect. The, the Afghan people are standing up and having a bigger impact on the Taliban than the paper tiger fucking army that we put in place. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's insane. That is, no, look, uh, that, and that can all flip on its head really tomorrow. That's really good news it really could. that's not being reported. And it's kind of sad that it's not. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's uh, like I said, only time will tell. But it sounds like, you know, that uh, these people are standing up for themselves and saying, fuck you. And the Taliban is quickly realizing that governing a country and trying to be a legitimate government in the world stage is a far cry from just being a military insurgency. And maybe they'll get a shot of... uh, of just like get get woken up going oh shit you know like we have to actually take care of these people and these people are the ones that are speaking out against us and we're under a microscope now by the world yeah i mean that is that's actually really good news that's really good news to hear i'm really really happy to see people over there because at the end of the day nobody can give somebody freedom we have to fight for it for ourselves like i said before America 
we didn't have an America coming here and helping us fight off the British. And we had to take it for ourselves. Yeah, the French were late, those bastards. They still did, actually, but, I mean, they did a big part. They definitely yeah. helped out. But Yeah, they, they but, had a Navy. But, we, <laughs> but <clears throat> I guess that's the difference, too. Like, we asked them for help. They didn't just show up. Right, right. <laughs> just yeah, on absolutely. our shores. Like, we're here to, to, to liberate you. What? Because, like, oh, if it came between the French and the British, then we had to choose. He probably would have kept the British because he spoke the same language. Get out of here, you dirty frogs. <laughs> Goddamn frogs. That's such... <laughs> what's the... I forget. What's the history behind that slur? I don't remember. It, is oh, it just because it starts with an F? Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember when the French, like... Didn't buy into the whole war on terror, and they're like, said, we're not going to. So Americans are like, we're not going to call them French fries anymore. We're going to call them freedom <laughs> fries. Freedom fries. Fucking morons. Oh, uh, man. God I, damn it. I, so the Y Center says, it is no secret that French are often referred to as frogs, but the real story behind the amphibious name remains unclear. The lack of clarity does not mean that there is any lack of theories regarding the origin, though. So apparently there's a bunch of different stories behind it. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that story up, though, because, like, it is. Cause, like, it, it goes to, if you remember what I was saying in the episode a couple episodes back when we were talking about when we were pulling out, that I wonder where we're going to go from here. <laughs> because 20... You know, 20 years, that's like literally a whole generation of people now who know freedom that are in Afghanistan. And it's a whole generation of people that are in the Taliban who know what freedom is. That they're like a lot. I feel like a lot of them were fighting with the Taliban because they just wanted in a, in a foreign country out of their country. And that now that they had that happened, or now that that has happened, what 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 is the majority of the Taliban going to do? Because they're like, well, wait, we just wanted these guys out of here. I'm not this extremist. I just didn't want any fucking government here. Or any fucking foreign <laughs> entity here in my country. It's fair. I think we're getting down to the end here, Corey. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way. That's actually a really good story, and I'm hoping to see more of that. And in saying this, we're probably going to see a lot of bloodshed. We're going to see a lot of sad stories that come from this, but that's what happens when people literally fight for their lives. Yeah, and it can all get turned on its head tomorrow, 100%. I could be telling you next week, well, I'm an idiot. Uh... <laughs> oh, like, like like my monologue? Yeah, it didn't, didn't, really, didn't really turn out like we thought, but, you know, that's part yeah, of the show, man. We're going to yeah. admit we're wrong a lot because it's, it's just not enough people that do that. So yeah, uh, it tell was the, the folks one more, yeah, tell the the folks one more time. I'm sorry. That's they can, say. It was the, <laughs> was the mandates. Just keep going. The, it was the mandates that definitely made me say it never deal in absolutes because. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Oh, my God. Happened. I mean, so many goddamn words, man. It is. Like, I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook, but people were like, thank you. And I was like, you don't have to thank me for shit. I'm just admitting I was wrong. Like, <laughs> like these people just want to be right so goddamn bad. Yeah. And it's just I like, always think, and, and you and I are in the same boat, I always think, it, it, you don't want to be wrong, but man, when you are, it's a great learning experience. Uh, being wrong leads to growth. 100%. Tell the people where uh, they can find us on social media, Corey. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter at Pod. We are on Facebook at Libservative. We are 
we okay i'm just gonna say it we're on wordpress look up libservative uh you can listen to us on all, all of your social media platforms from facebook to audible to spotify to apple to google play to spreaker um make sure to like follow and share let a friend know reach out to us we will definitely we are not afraid to read your responses on the show if you reach out to any of us even directly if you know us personally we will definitely give you a shout out and uh yeah stay uh stay frosty out there boys mm-hmm. keep your mind open keep your mind open because you're probably wrong like i was email address i was so goddamn wrong you're probably wrong i was wrong dan email address is libservitivepod at gmail.com you can always get a hold of us there too i don't remember if Corey said that but that's fine and until next time he's Corey walsh and he's dan griffin and we are out of here